Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to the Beyond Fit podcast. Today, I have a guest that's been on the show before, Alex. Uh, he is he runs the Productive You, a website based around how to help people with their productivity and be able to better manage their life, work, um, personal endeavors, all that sort of stuff. And a topic we got on in the last episode uh, centered around personalities and personality tests. And so Alex uh, sent me a link to a personality test that was unique that I hadn't tried before that he really likes. And so we wanted to go over and kind of discuss that today. And in addition, not only that, not only just putting the microscope on me, but talking about how our personalities and the different ways we go about thinking and structuring our lives uh, really impact our productivity and just our overall well-being and just, you know, our lifestyle from, like I said, work to fitness to any other aspect that you want to optimize or focus on. So I'll let Alex go ahead and say hi on his end. Yep. Yep. That's what we're looking at. Hey, Jake. Good to, uh, good to be back. Thanks for having me on again. Great to see you. As you know, dude, I'm all about personal productivity, getting the most out of what you want to do, you mm-hmm. know, every single day, because to me, being productive and getting work done that you want to get done is what makes life worth living, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of the, uh, that's, that's the fulfillment I get. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't like it when I have something that I want to do and I don't do it either because of laziness or I'm too busy with other stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to go over this, uh, assessment today. It's, um, something that's helped me a lot. And, um, that's why I got it on the site to hopefully share it with other people. For sure. And then like another thing that I wrote down here that I wanted to get to is just the fact that there's, I think a very thin line between being productive and being busy and getting important things done, but also knowing what to get done. And I'm always, I'm I'm often reminded of Tim Ferriss and his books and work where he often talks about uh, just the fact that so much of what we do is not necessary. And a lot of times it's more so about knowing what to do as, uh, as opposed to just doing things constantly. So, oh yeah, you- yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, looking at your test, uh, ours actually are very similar in some aspects. Uh, you and I might be people who struggle with that a little bit mm-hmm. more for sure than others sometimes, um, I do. based on the results. So yeah, it's definitely an important thing to, you got to get a good return on your investment for your energy and your, your mm-hmm. time that you put into stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is something that you're right. can be overlooked for sure. And that whole, I think you'd probably agree or could see the point of view of like the perfectionist that I think I've come to realize is kind of a uh, paradox, I guess, maybe because that search for perfectionism and doing things the right way and completely can often lead you to waste more time and be less effective than you could be. So that's been like a major point of focus too around my personal productivity and knowing myself um, kind of looking at perfectionism as more of a facade and something to not fall into. 
Dude, I, I, I know. I struggle with the exact same thing. And here, here's the point. Like, there's no right or wrong answer in terms of personality types, in terms of the way we like to conduct our behaviors, mm-hmm. right? There's just different. So a lot of people aren't going to be able to relate to that because there's a lot of people out there who are just go-getters. They, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're the opposite of perfection. They, they do first and then research or ask questions later. Mm-hmm. And what they think is always the answer, you know, what, what sometimes they want to do is become more perfectionist, get more right. research-based and get more into the, uh, the analytical side of it. But then people like us on the other end, we're like, man, I want to stop analyzing so much. I need, mm-hmm. to, I need to stop being so organized. I need to just do and get, mm-hmm. get down into it. And it's, it is funny. It's just a paradox, man. It just, it's. Yeah. It's funny because like, you know, there's, there's no right that, answer, you know? Yeah. There's some things I feel like I've kind of worked into my mind that like have taken a long time to really take effect and for me, for me to really gain full grasp of. And like perfectionism is one of them, the way I look at that, because I think in the past, I definitely have even looked at it where like, it's a strength and I've told people, oh, you know, I'm a perfectionist. Like I always get things done the right way, but it sometimes seems obvious to me, but I think that it'd be useful for people to realize a lot of the things we see as virtues can often be vices and perfectionism uh, is just one example. But the other thing that I've realized along those lines is just the fact that our strengths and our weaknesses are always really, really closely aligned. And so like the example I've used to a lot of people when talking about myself and self-awareness has been like a huge journey for me. So it's something I, I have thought a lot about and Um, Where that plays in for me is like, I think one of my strengths in being able to do this podcast and being able to write and communicate effectively is I'm very sensitive to the inputs that I'm subjected to. And so I I take things in and think about them deeply. But at the same time, that kind of leads me to be a person that's oversensitive and that has the tendency to try to overthink things, especially back to that perfectionism, like looking into something too much. Uh, That classic example of paralysis by analysis before jumping into something. So I think the more you know yourself, the easier you can combat these weaknesses that tie right along with your strengths. I mean, everyone's so different. That's what it's, that's, what's really important. I think. Well, I mean, dude, that's, that's the, you know, the oldest, uh, the oldest um, Mm self-improvement advice in history, you know, know thyself. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how often we forget that, but knowing thyself yourself is perhaps the most important part of life of your journey of being the best you mm-hmm. and you know it's funny that you mentioned the analysis pie by paralysis because for highly analytical people highly detail oriented people such as yourself we tend to have very harsh criticisms we have high expectations mm-hmm. and we tend to judge ourselves very harshly um more so than other people might. And again, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. But what you're talking about right there is just part of the negative side of that, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. And then, I don't know, you just reminded me of this quote that I, that I just looked up by Socrates where he says, the unexamined life is not worth living. So I think Ooh. that that's, that's another one I try to think about too. Um, but just because knowing yourself, I feel like comes from some sort of the stoic philosophy as well. I feel like that's maybe like Marcus Aurelius or something like that. I could be wrong, but uh, they have a lot of timeless quotes like that that apply to to today just as much as they did back then. Yeah, no, dude, I love it. I love it. And that's actually part of where, so 
personality um, test, you know, that's where this stems from. It all, it began in ancient Greece with these mm -hmm. great philosophers making ob observations of human personalities and trying to categorize them, trying to create some general ideas of what the hell is going on with life and, and why people act the way they do. Now, the thing is, back in those times, you know, it wasn't really advanced. There was uh, outdated, just completely wrong models, right, where it was based on the geography, the type of terrain that you lived mm -hmm. in, determine your personality, um, the inner fluids, phlegm, um, whatever. But luckily now, we've got a bit more advanced technology. We, we can mm -hmm. actually research and test these things and get a more accurate understanding of, of who we are. So it, it, it's great that these ancient thoughts, these ancient, uh, what would you call them, adages, mm -hmm. have always been true. But as time goes on, we're starting to learn about them and learn how to analyze them and get to the get to the meat of the matter even uh quicker mm -hmm. or even more accurately i suppose more accurately yeah so one of the things i wanted to make sure that got brought up that i'll just talk a little bit right now was because i'm kind of being reminded of it as far as like it's it's weird how it's almost one of those confirmation biases i guess that's not exactly the word i'm looking for but like people like you and i that are more analytical tend towards taking personality tests and, and becoming more self-aware and enjoy that. And whereas someone who's more of a, a action seeker is more likely to just jump into things and learn anecdotally. And so where my question lies is, and this is something I think a lot about in the long, along the lines of productivity, where do you see it beneficial to do things that you don't necessarily enjoy doing uh, for your own benefit versus the point of diminishing returns where you really are hating it so much. Like for your example, you know, in productivity, like let's say there's someone who really, really hates uh, productivity lists and productivity apps, but knows that they can help to a certain extent. Or, you know, someone who really hates uh, lifting weights, but goes in and does it once or twice a week just because they know the value of the benefits. How do you weigh um, wanting to do something or being uh, motivated to do something versus actually putting it into practice in your daily life, if that makes sense. Yeah, total sense. Great question, dude. The, the way I see it is, well, let's take an example of lifting weights, right? The, the point when you realize you're reaching diminishing returns in anything when you're lifting weights is when it gets just a little bit too painful. Mm -hmm. So I, and, and, you know, I know, you like, you're all about fitness and, mm -hmm. and, and health, health and stuff. So, you know, when you're lifting weights, you don't stop. You don't lift weights and not feel a burn. You don't feel sore. Yeah. Uh, you don't not feel sore, right? You keep going until you get a little of that bit of that burn until failure. Um, and that, that really applies to everything. So someone who doesn't like taking personality assessments, for example, well, that sucks. I understand you don't like to do it, but you're not, you, you got to do it at least until mm -hmm. you start to feel a bit of that uncomfortable mm -hmm. um, feeling. Right. And that's, it's a bit different. It's subjective. It's, it's different for everyone. Everyone, we all have different size muscles, different performance levels, mm -hmm. regardless of what we're talking about. Um, but in my experience, the best way to judge that is once you start feeling a little bit of pain, once you start feeling that tinge of uh, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. Do it for another, you know, 10, 
yeah. to 25% more reps or longer mm-hmm. or whatever the metric is. And then that's probably when you're reaching the, the, the threshold of diminishing returns. Yeah. That's one of, that's one of my favorite productivity tips that I've heard too, is like, if there's something you don't want to do, just start it for five minutes and tell yourself that you can stop after those five minutes. And it's one of those things, like we've mentioned the word action. Once you get into the action of something, you're a lot less likely to want to stop and you're, you're going to want to keep going. But the other interesting thing that comes to mind for me is like, I specifically asked that question because I remember you mentioning something about turning your likes into dislikes in the last podcast that we have. And thinking about myself personally, it's like when for, for the example of lifting weights, like I will tell people and I will tell myself that I, that I really love and enjoy lifting weights. But I think it's like partly that tangible and like honest enjoyment, like maybe 50% that and 50% just like me, I've, I've trained that into my brain that it's something I enjoy. So it's easier to do. And it's more fulfilling because I'm telling myself I'm doing enjoyable activity where it's like partly believing it and partly like manifesting that belief into myself, I guess. <laughs> you know, that that's so good because that that's true. I found with everything, mm-hmm. even, even when I'm relaxing, dude, things that, that genuinely just make me feel, ah, they put me at ease. Right. Mm-hmm. I like, I like watching movies, for example, it's a big, it's a big way for me to turn off my brain. Mm-hmm. But I find that even when I'm watching movies, after a little while, I don't even want to watch the damn thing anymore because mm-hmm. my mind starts going, I think, man, I'm wasting time. This isn't really what I want to do. But it's relaxing. It's, mm-hmm. it's something I enjoy doing. And so it's, it's funny. We, I feel like pretty much everything in life fits that 50-50 threshold. 50% mm-hmm. you genuinely like doing it or you want to do it. And the other 50% is just you sort of telling yourself, convincing yourself that it's something you need or want to do. Mm-hmm. Even the things that you really do need or want to do. I mean, if you like traveling, for example, eventually you're going to get sick of traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go for, I don't know, whatever your threshold is, a year, three months. So there's always that, there's always some of that self brainwashing thing. That's I think that's a, it's an interesting point because uh, nothing is really off limits in mm-hmm. terms of that. Yeah. And just like, just like the traveling example, like there's positives and negatives to every experience. Like most people love to travel, but a lot, you know, a lot of people hate the process of traveling and driving long distances or going to airports and dealing with all that. Um, So everything in life that you like to do, there's, there's positive and negative, I think, or a lot of things. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so part of it, you know, we just need to figure out what, are the things that we'd like to do or what are the things that we need to do? Okay. Got those, write those down. Then what are the positive and negative aspects of those? Okay. Got those down got those in our brain. Now let's figure out a way to morph those negatives into positives, if not for the whole time, but just um, for a little while so mm-hmm. that we can get ourselves into that action taking mm-hmm. state or into that state where we're, we're really doing something beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my other biggest principles, like along those lines is I feel like we need to have some level of discomfort and struggle or else I think that that that's what leads to a lot of the angst that people have and a lot of the feeling unfulfilled. It's like, I try to get there with working out usually, but I also try to always like pick up new things or try new things that I don't want to do or that I'm unsure of or that are difficult because I feel like 
and this is this goes right along with it but it's my personal view that if you don't put struggle in your life life will kind of hand that to you so like if i wasn't in the gym working hard or you know trying to trying to learn a new skill or pick up a new skill i'm more likely to have like relationship troubles or i'm more likely to have you know troubles with money or my job or like something else i feel like you need a certain level of struggle and it'll be given to you if you don't see right right so is there let me going along that lines is there a particular new struggle or new skill that Um, you've gotten into in the past month the last in the last six months um it's been largely about public speaking and because i feel like that helps me a lot out with my podcasts and stuff and so I started out by going to uh, a Toastmasters group. And, Love Toastmasters, man. Yeah, I've gotten like pretty good at that. And so my new endeavor is I've been trying to do some stand-up comedy, which is really tough. And like, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely really, it's one of those things that's totally different from anything else you do, trying to stand up in front of strangers and make them laugh. And the other reason I like that a lot is because I often say like all the things I do fall under this wide umbrella of like things I care about and things I want to, uh, you know, I guess improve on. And I feel like comedy is very unique in the sense that you can't get by with anything less than honesty. Like your jokes are not going to be funny if they don't come from like a a truly honest place. And a lot of times it's like self-examination too. It's like self-deprecation in a funny way. So I enjoy a lot of the aspects of that. Yeah, man. Uh, props to you for that. That's, um, uh, I, I feel like as a society, we don't give credit enough mm-hmm. to people who are willing to go on stage and do mm-hmm. comedy and do that. Very sort of stuff. Yeah. And we see it all the time. Um, you know, I guess, you know, public speaking is a big fear. So maybe we do give it credit, mm-hmm. but regardless, I think that's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's for incredible. For sure. Well, I guess we should jump into this personality test at some point. Uh, Do you have any places you want to highlight first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normally what I would do, so here's, here's sort of the workflow that happens is Mm -hmm. someone comes on the site, they, they purchase the test, the, and we won't, we don't, uh, when I'm talking to people, we try to avoid calling it a test because that assumes the right and wrong answer. So that's why we use the word assessment um, because again, there is no right or wrong answer. So they'll come on, take it, and then afterwards we'll sign up, we'll schedule a debriefing. And the assessment itself is something like 50 plus pages of information all about you. But I've created a shorter 25 page version that highlights some of the key points on the assessment. And so we'll jump on a, a call, a, uh, a debriefing and go through that and then schedule more times in the future if, if they want or mm-hmm. if they need it. So that's what we're looking at today is sort of this shorter 25 page version that highlights some of these important aspects. Now, this is specifically the Trimetrics EQ. It stands for Emotional Quotient Assessment. So it looks at, it analyzes three different things. It's three separate assessments brought together into one. Uh, the first one is your behaviors. So how does someone, how do you go about doing what you do? Mm-hmm. This is observable behavior. So if you were a fly theoretically on the wall and just watching someone go about their life for 24 hours and you knew about this assessment, you knew about the parameters, you could probably pretty accurately guess where they'd fall in this assessment because it's how they do what they do. 
The second part of the assessment test uh, looks at your motivators. So the why behind you do, why, why do you do what you do? What, what drives you to action? What, why do you wake up in the morning? And the third part is your emotional intelligence, emotional quotient. So self-awareness, self-regulation, awareness of others, ability to um, change others' perceptions, and your general motivation. Mm -hmm. So the first part we're going to look at, it's about two pages long, and it just talks about who you are based on the answers you provided, right? And that's not going to be very entertaining or useful for maybe this podcast, So, mm -hmm. uh, but just know that that's how each section starts. So what, we, what we're going to do then is the style insights graph. This is a graph right. of your behaviors, and it's based on the DISC model, which is an old, very, very old, long long-standing model that was actually um, first developed by Hippocrates way, you know, some like three, 400 BC, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so what this does is it, it, it separates your behavior into four categories, D, I, S, and C, dominance, influence, steadiness, and compliance. So you'll see on the right side, do you see this natural style graph two? Naturally, yep. Yep. So that one, so there's two graphs here, natural and adaptive style. The natural style is how you are in your natural state, how you just, that's just you. Your adapted style is how you adjust your behavior based mm -hmm. on your working environment, your conditions. Mm -hmm. So if someone's adapted and natural style are very different, um, then we can see there might be some stressors, for mm -hmm. example. I'm if, surprised, I'm kind of surprised looking at this that it's pretty similar like almost the same because i was listening to this podcast recently with adam grant and he mentioned the word i think i'm gonna forget the word now but it was like um a part of like a personality trait that was like how much you change yourself to be like the others you're around and i was like huh i feel like i'm pretty high in that way especially kind of like reading through this again it's like i'm i'm a very agreeable person and like I'm very I don't know if I'm necessarily apt to make friends but I'm definitely like agreeable and can be very um, I just get along with people well I guess and so I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that it's not like a huge disparity here because the fact that you mentioned stressors too I could definitely see you know I think some of the biggest forms of stress in people's lives is just not being true to who they are and so I could definitely see, I think that's what you meant by that. And that's what jumped out to me first. Yeah, definitely. And remember, you being who you are, it, you are very self-reflective. You're very, and, and with a lot of self-reflection comes a lot of critical self-reflection. Mm -hmm. So the mm -hmm. fact that you even mentioned that just goes to show, again, you are, tend to be very, I don't want to say the comment you said was just hard on yourself, but mm -hmm. you're very analytical about your own behavior. Mm -hmm. and. And that's something we see. So for everyone listening, this is, again, we have the DISC. And what we're looking at is bar graphs. Uh, they're different colored bar graphs in each of those categories. Uh, so Jake here is a predominantly high C. What we're looking at is the, high, the biggest, the graph that goes highest above the 50-point line. Mm -hmm. So you see that's a high C and high S. Again, S stands for steadiness. C stands for compliance. So... Someone who is a high C 
That's someone who is generally slower paced. They're an analyzer. They're a facts oriented person. Mm -hmm. um, this is a person who would generally strives in situations that require critical thinking and they prefer situations where facts are abundant and external noise distractions are lower mm -hmm. and value and quality are higher. Those are the priorities. For sure. I was just laughing just because like my whole life, uh, I've always been extremely slow. And like my, like my family would tell you, it always drove them nuts. Cause I'd always be like the last one to get ready and stuff like that. I'm, I am very deliberative. It doesn't matter what it comes to. Like I've always been the last person to take a test in school and stuff like that. So that's what I heard first. But I think I do take pride in the fact that I'm definitely more about, it can even be kind of like esoteric at times, but like the quality of things and the value. And I, I have a lot of trouble with like deadlines and tight time schedules because that's not really how I function. Like you mentioned, I like to get the most value is always at the forefront of, of my mind. Sure. Sure. And, and that's, and so going into the C uh, to the S you mentioned a few S things there, but actually before that, the overextension of a high C can be what you just mentioned a little bit, a little bit of the critical nature. Someone who's in high S is more of a slower paced person. They like stable, predictable movements. Um, they prefer a situation where changes occur gradually, but also where deep in relation to other people, where deep relationships can, can come about. And um, nice, nice, wholesome standards are developed. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's what this is telling us is very prevalent in newer, those mm -hmm. two characteristics. When you go to the I, I stands for influence. So that's, so this is, the I measures how you influence others yeah. to your point of view. Um, a lower I is going to be similar to what we saw with the S and C, a slower paced communicator, less of a people oriented communicator, more of a facts, a analysis oriented communicator. So you don't, you're not necessarily the first one to go into the room and go, Hey, what's mm -hmm. up everybody. Check this out. Here's my thing. I love this. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to communicate with facts and, and, and have a little bit of that fact based. Mm -hmm. It definitely, seems, definitely like feels to me like probably the tendency of someone who's more reserved, which is definitely more in line with my personality. And like, I, like I mentioned that word agreeableness a couple of times. Um, I'm very, I'm very slow to, even if I disagree with something someone's saying, I would a lot of times n not r ruffle someone's feathers unless they really ask for my opinion. And mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely wouldn't describe myself as like an overly gregarious person or like definitely not someone who owns a room, but yeah, just like you said, more deliberative and, and deeply thinking than outwardly saying how I feel and being boisterous in that way. Sure. And you may be in the back of the room. Uh, someone with a low eye is more likely to be in the back of the room, mm -hmm. having a deep one-on-one -on -one conversation mm -hmm. than with someone who's likely to be up in the front of the room being gregarious and, and just expressing themselves mm -hmm. in that way. Like an extrovert probably. As exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Now, now, what you just mentioned also relates to the D, which is the dominance. This is the D stands for dominance, but don't get too hung up on that word. Mm -hmm. uh, this is how you respond to problems and challenges. So like you just mentioned, um, you're not necessarily going to be 
the the hard hitter just hey this is how it is mm -hmm. and and that's how it's going to be someone with a high d is very impatient someone with a low d and low again doesn't mean bad is tends to be more patient and work through things they work through problems at a slower pace mm -hmm. and so this is it's all just sort of consistent with what we've what we've talked about you so far just to summarize it in case yes. it was like not completely clear for me um like we talked about at first the adapted and natural is pretty similar but it's very low for the for the d and the i the dominance and influence about um seven to 16 for all of those and then out of 100 yep. yeah out of 100 and then the s and C, you said S was what again? Steadiness. Steadiness. and That's how you respond to your pacing, how you like mm -hmm. to pace your environment. And C is compliance, how you respond to procedures and analyses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those were super high for me. So like between 85 and 93 for those two. So a big discrepancy between the DI and the SC. Do you see that a lot? Is that like a lot of times someone has both DNI high and or oh, SC yeah. high? Yes, yes. So I only actually, so less than 1% of the time, uh, up to 2% is anyone just high in one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but also less than about 5% of the time is anyone middle of the road on all, th on all things. So we tend to find that people, the majority of people are high. They're above that 50% line mm -hmm. on two things, on two or more things. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, we are going to look down at the next section. This is one of my favorite sections. Uh, just below that, this is the behavioral hierarchy mm -hmm. at page eight. And we'll only go through the first four here, but so this I should I should know that this assessment has been around for over thirty years. It's been taken by tens of millions of people, and some of those people opt in to have their data shared anonymously. Mm -hmm. So we are able to develop um, mean scores, population averages, and standard deviation scores for all these different traits. So the behavioral hierarchy lists your top, your best behaviors. So these are sort of like your superpowers, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the first one that it lists here, again, this is in a bar graph format, is organized workplace. So how do you have a penchant for having an organized workplace? You can see your score here is, what is your score out of 100? Uh, it says 100 for the natural and 100 for the adapted, but then what's the red line? Now the red line, so good question. So the middle, you'll see in the middle, do you see the 51? Mm -hmm. Now that's the population mean. Okay. The red line represents the first standard deviation. So where 68% of the population scores somewhere in that red line. How much percent? 68%. Okay. So you being out of 100, you are in the like top one, less than 1% of the population in how organized you are, mm -hmm. which is incredible. We look down at the rest of these, there's, there's four here, organized workplace, analysis, consistency, and the ability to follow policy, mm -hmm. aka adhere to rules. You score at least 98 in your natural in all four of these, mm -hmm. which means yeah, that's this is this is your high C and your high S coming out. Those give you these specific four behavioral superpowers. That's just naturally comes to you. Mm -hmm. 
the bottom four, urgency, the ability to take immediate action, you actually score a 12 out of 100 on that with the 68% uh, of the population scoring between about 20 and maybe 68. Mm -hmm. So we've already dissected that. We already know that mm -hmm. you might have problem with uh, some problems with analysis paralysis, mm -hmm. but this allows you to really see how you fall in comparison with other people. And if, if for someone who isn't so self, um, as self-aware and analytical as you, this would be information that they may be hearing and seeing about themselves for the first time. Mm -hmm. Now let's move on to the next page, time wasters. This will, this, this, this is your, your, these are your biggest points of procrastination, mm -hmm. your time wasters. It's pretty, pretty simple, right? And I, I include this page in the uh, assessment specifically because it has so many applications to productivity mm -hmm. and it lists your possible causes, why and possible solutions. So look at this time wasters goes for four pages. Uh, just pick out one uh, that you think really applies to talk about um, that for a minute. The first, I guess the first theme that comes to mind is just like, these are all very uh, optimistic biases. And I think I purposely am very optimistic, but it can kind of be to my detriment sometimes, especially like when working with other people, I expect that everyone else will have my level of not even just commitment because people can be committed in different ways. But like, I assume that other people will be in line with my analytical nature and with my uh, tendency to want to come to agreement with other people. And so definitely always looking at things optimistically. I don't think I would change it just because it leads to a lot of positive outcomes. And I think it kind of manifests too, in a way, the more positive you think, the more positive things happen. But besides just dealing with other people, um, a major detriment can be like, uh, always I'm, I'm pretty poor with like time estimates, whether it comes to like something I want to get done within the next few months or even like something I want to get done within the next few hours. I'm always overly optimistic on, timelines and expectations and stuff like that as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's you know that's something that people with this behavior style like myself we can all relate to others mm -hmm. though someone with a high d for example they won't be able to relate to that at all mm -hmm. they'll go what do you mean you don't you just do the thing and then you get it done and it's yeah. and it's very quick so i think all we're gonna have time to do in this podcast is just is just go through this first section, the mm -hmm. behaviors. Mm -hmm. Know that there are two other sections, the motivation and the emotional intelligence, which you know maybe we can get to at another point. Mm -hmm. But the last part I want to show you with this um, behavior section, communication tips. So based on your, your different behavioral styles, if you're a high C, high S, high D, whatever, you tend to want to communicate with other people in different ways. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when we are, like you and I, such high C's, we're gonna, it can be hard for us to anticipate how other people want to be communicated. Yeah, definitely. So the, the goal with this is to learn what these four behavior personality types are and how best to see that in someone and then adjust your communication style so you can be more efficient, you can be better friends, you can be a better husband, wife, whatever. You see the, the top left, the blue. So this blue correlates to a, a high C. Now, which one, do you see which one is opposite that kitty corner? Or not kitty corner, but 
diagonal to it. Yep. What color is yeah. that? That's yellow. So now that correlates with someone with a high eye. Now people across this aisle, these are the people that generally have the biggest communication problems. Mm -hmm. So high C's and high I's, typically their communication styles clash and they tend to not get along naturally. That makes sense. Now, as a, as a C or an S, I keep saying C, but you're equally high C and high S. So mm -hmm. you can pretty much relate to everyone. Um, the ones that you are immediately adjacent to the, to the C, the D, and the S, the red and the green. Mm -hmm. These are people that you can communicate with, but ones that, um, you know, you're going to be best communicating with your own kind, per se, mm -hmm. your own C. So anyways, what, what I want to say is in this yellow box with a high I, people who are high I's, they're all about engaging with others wholeheartedly, naturally. They don't want the facts. They don't want data. They don't want analysis. They don't want any of that crap. They don't want any organization, all that stuff that we love. All they want is someone to just communicate with as a person. Mm -hmm. um, so things that might be natural for us to drive, as it says here, driving on facts and figures, that's something that will actually stress them and frankly piss them off. Mm -hmm. So this, this whole page is, is just one of my favorite things because it, it really gives us some actionable things, actionable ways to communicate with other people mm -hmm. based on their behavioral styles. Yeah, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me of like something I've observed with friends that I have. If you look at just like more introverted, like I consider myself more introverted and I have a lot of friends that are more extroverted, it seems like they're the type of people that they like to think out loud. And so I think that's where that manifests where it's like, I'm just saying what I think, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, these are not long drawn out factual things. Like we kind of mentioned, whereas me, I tend to not really do my thinking out loud, but do it in my own head. So I know what I'm going to say. And since I've thought about things, a lot of times it does come down to those facts and statistics because it's something I've already mulled over. So to me, it seems like those two different type of people, if you boil down like one big difference, it's like thinking out loud versus thinking very much in your own mind and like thinking before you speak versus speaking while you're thinking. And not that either one is better or worse, but that's just kind of how different people operate. Exactly. Yeah. And nothing is, it's not better or worse. It's just how you naturally are probably based somewhat on genetics, also mm -hmm. based on environment and upbringing. Um, and yeah, man. So it's just learning how to communicate with different people and doing it in the best, in the best way that's, in the way that's they feel most comfortable with mm -hmm. um, because yeah. not everyone unfortunately is going to take something like this and learn the, the nuances and, and, and mm -hmm. the framework behind it. Yeah. And I think it's really important to know this kind of stuff when you're looking about what sort of job you want to have or what sort of work you want to do. Uh, that's, you know, these are obviously tests that are probably most common in the workplace, but I think it's really important to know, like for me, uh, something I get reiterated over and over again with these tests is like, I'm definitely not a salesy type of person or like the type of person that would do well doing cold calls or anything like that because of my agreeableness, because of me not really enjoying small talk, because I'm not having that high influence where it's like, I don't, I'm not, my first prerogative is never to like sell someone on something or try to, I like, I like to, as is, I think, 
been kind of obvious, like help people to make their own best decision. So I don't like pushing something onto someone else. Sure, sure. In sales, you kind of have to have that aggressive personality where you're hopefully you believe in the thing that you're selling, but also just that you have that conviction that, 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 that other person needs what you have, I guess. Right, right, exactly. And one thing I want to mention is you've said that you've referred to yourself as an introverted person mm-hmm. several mm-hmm. times. Uh, one thing that I got from this assessment, another way to look at it is introverted versus extroverted, but mm-hmm. then also add a second element of people-oriented versus task oriented. Mm -hmm. So my best guess on based on your results here is I think you are an introverted people oriented person. Mm -hmm. You're introverted, but you also like collaborating with people you like, you like having those deep conversations, you like being around others. Whereas someone who is an introverted task oriented person, they might they're just the recluse who who doesn't like people at all, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is kind of weird, yeah, because, like, I am more of an introvert, but I love having, like, I really enjoy podcasts, like, I'd never had a problem speaking with someone for a long period of time, an hour or more, and in my day-to-day life, too, like, that's not something I ever struggle with, like, I really thrive in the environment of sitting down to someone with coffee or something like that, that's something that's really comfortable for me, and in the same way, or maybe not necessarily in the same way, but I really like public speaking too and I feel comfortable with that the the thing that I'm not as comfortable with is like I think I kind of mentioned this too I'll never interject uh in the middle of a group and I'm never the person to be at the center of attention among a big group of people it's like I like enjoying I enjoy having the floor where like in a one-on-one conversation you can get the floor speaking in front of people you can get the floor but I'm not the type of person that's going to take that for myself and overpower anyone else yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that's where probably some of the introverted side comes in, mm-hmm. you know, but it's also totally possible to be an extroverted task oriented person, but also be an extroverted people oriented person, which mm-hmm. is probably just the most overpowering, abundant people person you can mm-hmm. think of. So I really like that way of thinking about it, adding the extra, extra dimension. Mm-hmm. And I try to be careful too. Like I'm, I'm definitely have the tendency to pigeonhole myself and so like I think you can use those excuses too like oh I'm a people-oriented person you know that's why I'm not performing these these x and o's type of tasks while at work or like I'm an introverted person so that's why I don't go out on the weekends it's like we're all first of all I think we're all on a scale with all these different personality things and second of all it's like kind of like we talked about at the beginning life is about pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and trying new things that's how you grow and become more diverse and I think it's dangerous to, I guess, just pigeonhole yourself into a certain, this is the way I am, this is the way I act, because we're all different and we're all changing too over, over our lifetimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And what we find is that the, so we, we never recommend that anyone take this assessment more than once every six months, six mm-hmm. to 12 months, because not a lot of change is going to happen. Um, you can change a lot in your behavioral style, uh, how you like to go about doing things, usually with some sort of um, big life event or maybe a job change, a, a role uh, change. But the parts that we did get to talk about, your motivators, the why behind what you do, that usually doesn't change unless there's a significantly traumatic event, maybe mm-hmm. death in the family, maybe the birth of a, of, of a child, maybe moving to a new country, something big like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the most changeable though is the last part, which is your EQ, your emotional quotient, your emotional mm -hmm. intelligence as it's dubbed, which hopefully by taking the assessment just goes up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My biggest, so. my biggest hope for myself and just for anyone in general is just, I think we all need to, like you said, know thyself. It's like the more you can be, and like I, like I kind of mentioned, the thing I think I'm most proud of myself for in looking at this is my natural and adaptive isn't too different. Like I hope that I'm being an honest representation of myself to everyone that I come in contact with because the sooner you can, you can, or the closer you can be in line with who you are, the more positive opportunity is going to come into your life because people are going to know who you are, what drives you, and hopefully you can reach outcomes that you're looking for um, a lot faster than if you're putting on a facade for someone else that's going to prevent that. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's something you're very naturally good at. And also it means you're going to get less stressed. Mm -hmm. You can work, you know, if you had to change, if you went in for, for example, if you had to go into a cold calling mm -hmm. sales situation, you'd probably have to change up your behavior more so in that mm -hmm. you, you might get tired after a couple hours for sure. Where doing what you do now, not changing your natural style so much, mm -hmm. you're probably able to go on for days mm -hmm. or hours without getting tired because it's just who you are, you know? Sure. Yeah, that's, that's all the time we have left, but I was just in my, yeah. I was thinking of this quote that I've mentioned a couple of times uh, over the past week that I saw, and it was by Winston Churchill. He said to, let me think here. To improve is to change. So to be perfect is to have changed often. Mm -hmm. so I think that that's an important thing to remember. And the fact that we're always in growth in change, something else I've mentioned recently is like, I think that you're either growing and you're atrophying or sorry, you're either growing or you're atrophying. So you're either, you're either getting better and improving and sharpening your skills or you're regressing. And so I think it's important to not, not try to spend a lot of time just resting on your laurels and always, always be wanting to search for more, but being careful that that doesn't like completely take you over. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like you literally, what did you say right before we got on, you know, the podcast, you said going up a little bit every day, I think, or something along those lines, right? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. So yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, and really that's the only option. There's no other choice. Mm -hmm. what do you, what do you do? Life is, life is boring. Life's going to suck if you're not constantly slowly going up. Mm -hmm. Of course there's, there's dips and dives, but mm -hmm. I, I love that you brought that up. So being, being grateful for a 1%, you know, improvement. Very true. All right, Alex. Well, thanks for coming on today. I think we covered a lot of useful information and we can link to the things that you've mentioned. If someone wants to take this test for themselves, if they want to get in contact with you, uh, make sure all that's out there. But thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Sounds great, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, let's do it again, hopefully sooner than two months. For sure. All right. Okay. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.